What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Chris Adamo is the co-founder of Flamingo Capital. In this conversation, we talk about NFTs, the metaverse, and what the hell is going on in the digital universe that all these people on the internet are playing in. I really enjoyed this conversation with Chris, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I first want to talk about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by OKCoin. They are my favorite place to buy, trade, and stake crypto. They're the fastest growing US-based exchange, serving over 190 countries globally with the easy onboarding and low fees. If you haven't tried them out yet, you should. They're on a mission to make learning about and buying crypto easier than ever. And they're all about bringing more financial literacy to everyone, something we can always use more of. From being the only exchange to integrate Lightning to contributing over $1 million for Bitcoin core developers. They're doing incredible work to further the Bitcoin ecosystem, and they offer lots of other vetted utility assets from gaming to DeFi. With OKCoin, I feel confident that the future really will be OK. To get started, go to OKCoin.com POMP for some free Bitcoin when you sign up. Again, if you want free Bitcoin, go to OKCoin.com POMP today. Today's episode is brought to you by Fundrise. You all know I believe that the best investors both understand and seek out extreme asymmetry. Fundrise is here to help you do just that. It's the largest direct-to-investor real estate investment platform out there, giving you the opportunity to achieve upside of an asset class previously reserved for institutions and high net worth individuals. That's right, Fundrise is making high-end private market real estate investing accessible to everyone via an easy-to-use automated platform. It's 1 million users already know that the investment with Fundrise is capable of producing strong appreciation returns and income generation while helping to stabilize a diversified portfolio. That's more important now than ever in our inflationary environment. See for yourself how over 190,000 other investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. It takes just a few minutes to get started with as little as $10. Go to fundrise.com slash pomp today. And for a limited time, you'll get $10 when you place your first investment. Again, that's fundrise.com slash pomp. Go check it out. And when you make your first investment, they'll give you $10 on top of it. Fundrise.com slash pomp. Today's episode is brought to you by Pipe. Crypto is all about giving the power back to the people. And our sponsor Pipe is doing that in a big way. Pipe is the world's first trading platform that allows you to trade recurring revenue streams for upfront capital. And with Pipe's new API, companies with recurring revenue can build seamless embedded financing options into their platforms. One of the most interesting uses for Pipe's new API right now is Compass Mining's Mine Now, Pay Later, which powers payment plans on Bitcoin mining hardware so more miners can start or scale with a smaller upfront investment. Whether you're looking for mining hardware or scaling any business with recurring revenue, Check out Pipe to access growth capital with no loans, no dilution, no restrictive covenants or warrants, just growth on your terms. And right now, Pomp Podcast listeners can access tens of thousands of dollars, even millions, fee-free for 12 months. Whether you are a Bitcoin mining company looking to enable financing for your customers or a SaaS, DTC, or any business that has recurring revenue, sign up at pipe.com slash pomp. Again, pipe.com slash pomp to start trading today. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. 
Chris is a, uh, I'm going to call you a Miami OG. Is that a fair uh, title? Totally fair. Totally uh, ten fair. Ten years in and get your card. Ten, ten years in? Where, where, do you, where did you come from pre-Miami? I'm a Queens kid from New York City, man. All right. And then what brought you to Miami? My wife, your as wife. most men are in the same boat. She was from Miami or she said, get our ass out of New York, we're going to Miami? She is an OG. She's what we call a unicorn in Miami. Okay. You know, born and raised... Four generations of Miamians in Miami, building this city from like swampland to what it is today, this mecca of beautifulness. Wow. That, yeah. is, that is like real. So you're no longer an OG. Now she's the OG. She's always <laughs> been the OG. I'm like, well, what is Miami? All I know about is like, you know, the beach. And she's like, no, no, no. It's it's awesome. So I, I got the inside scoop a long time ago. Now, just because I'm personally curious, did you guys meet in Miami or in New York or how did that play? Old fashioned way, New York City dive bar, oh, Lower yeah. East Side. I was like, wandering around bunch of blonde hair. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> hi, how are you? Did you have on the great, uh, uh, kind of colorful shirts back then? I was no, no. all black, all My, black. New York. <laughs> I got to Miami in 2012, three years ago, I met Shep Gordon and he's like, is that, I was wearing one of his shirts. I said, what is that? It's a jam. Like, There's more. He's like, yeah, tens millions. I'm like, I got to have these shirts. So I was like instantaneous, like uniform. That was seven years ago. Haven't I, missed a day since. I love it. I love it. All right. So talk to me about the rise of, I'll call it Miami Tech. I, I don't know if there's a better term for it, but uh, there's a group of OGs that were here pre, I'll call it 2020. Uh, and these are people who um, were in the tech industry. Um, and it spans like a pretty big group of people. The, the folks that I probably would say that uh, I'm the most aware of, spend the most time with, or, or talk to about this, somebody like a Marcelo Clore who built a you know multi billion dollar business here, uh, and uh, then went on to do a number of big, large, uh, great things, all the way to somebody like an Austin Bunsen who's been here but been putting on Miami Tech Week and, and uh, that type of stuff, uh, and then everyone in between. And, you know, even, uh, uh, I'm going to say his name, Jose, uh, he'll, uh, he'll probably give you shit for, uh, for talking about him, um, who built a company here in Miami, sold it right. And now has co-working space in Miami, et cetera. Like what was the magic of Miami pre 2020 when all of the, uh, um, the immigrants we can call them <laughs> to Miami showed up oh. but like what pre 2020, what was the magic? Well, here's the thing. Like we've always been like, we want everyone to come here. It's yeah. always been, I got here 20, 10 years ago. I didn't know anybody. I had yep. to start from scratch and everyone was so welcoming. I got to the lab Miami in 2014 and it was like 10 of us on like, you know, picking tables. And that was like the only place in town. That was the first one we had. And it kind of grew from there. Got we work in like 2017 and that okay. kind of put us on the map of like, all right, this startup's here. You know, we had some, we had a bunch of you know ones that were doing pretty well. We had uh, the Medinas had their exit and that kind of started a little bunch more people like, oh, I can build a company here. Um, and then the last two years have been, you know, amazing rocket ship growth. We, 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 we had the ship built, we were ready to do it and we got the fuel now. So yeah. it's been phenomenal. I've been so excited to see us like kind of mature. And so from 2020 to now, two years, uh, rocket ship is an understatement. Totally. It feels like people moved from all over the world to Miami. Uh, what has that been like from the perspective of people who are already here? Mm -hmm. You wanted people to move here. They moved here. Uh, but as most of the things that go, a lot of positives, some negatives. Like, how do you look at, like, the pros and cons of finally getting a bunch of people to be like, oh, shit, Miami's cool, and it's not just South Beach. Like, there's more to it. Well, now it's more competitive to find money, I guess. But <laughs> you know what? We had a lot less of it before those last two years. So in, in, in net net, it's way more positive. I mean, for years, I would go raise money for our startups and go to, like, Silicon Valley in New York to, like, listen, like, we're in Miami, they're like, you should move here. I'm like, oh, all Did right. Did they think everyone was like uh, retired or, totally. or just like partying the whole time? They didn't yeah. want to talk to you if you're in Miami. Yeah. And then the last two years, they're like, are you in Miami? You got to be in Miami. 
I'm not investing unless somebody in Miami invests in you already. So I'm like, total change of narrative there of like, you have to have money from Miami before you get money from anywhere else. Really? Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? The folks here don't believe in you. This is the capital now. Like, then well, why, why should I invest in you? Yeah. So it's like, you got to start here now if you live in Miami, especially. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a very fascinating thing um, of like, there's so much capital and so many decision makers here now that if you can't get somebody in Miami to invest, then other people are like, ah, that might be a red flag. Totally. I mean, we started our syndicate in August. Okay. I was like, man, this is such a good time to like get people involved in Miami companies. Yep. We invest in 23 companies since August, all Miami based. This is Flamingo Capital. Flamingo Capital, yeah, yeah. our syndicate. It's and been wild. That would not have happened two years ago. And what is the thesis from an investment standpoint? Well, we're pretty optimistic, mostly stuff Web3, blockchain-based, crypto-based, but also stuff that's like revolutionizing SaaS industries and, you know, stuff like health tech. So we're pretty wide-ranging. Like, we see what's the future of this industry going to look like and how is it going to be more digitally native, and that's what we're into. G give me an example of a non-crypto company that you guys have invested in. We invested in this company called Harmony, and they make this synthetic-based, well, it's actually based off of, like, the, the uh, breast milk genome, and they basically reverse-engineered that to make a shelf-stable formula. Oh, interesting. Really wild. And if uh, that gets pretty, approved, pretty timely right now, given the, uh, the baby food shortage. Exactly. Like, I think that a lot of folks, my wife and, and, and we also struggle with doing breastfeeding. It's so hard. It's so yeah. hard. And if you can get human milk into your babies, like, why are we drinking cow milk right now? It's crazy. Like, this is 2022. It's time yeah. to change. It, it, it is. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And those founders are here in Miami? Uh, yeah, they've been here a while. Yeah. And, and so when you think about the Miami scene, talk to me about the importance of uh, Mayor Suarez and, and other just leaders, right? Whether they're political elected leaders or just other leaders in the community as to making this happen. I mean, Mayor Suarez is the GOAT, baby. That guy's been amazing, amazing. He just knows how to like get people to like pay attention. Yeah. And that's Chief who, marketing officer. He's our chief marketing <laughs> officer. I mean, whatever you want to say about politics, he just gets it. I hired that guy in a second for my company. Yeah. Uh, and we needed someone to like say, hey, pay attention. You know, get once you get here and you get involved, you see. But people just weren't coming with the hat of like, I'm going to invest in this city. I'm going to do business here. They're coming just to like, you know, vacation and then they'd be out. Mm -hmm. So now it's like vacation and do business, which mm -hmm. is a great place to kind of have that those two things happen at once. Uh, I just love to see his kind of trajectory of how he sees Miami and how we've all gotten behind him. You know, it's like, it was like Mayor Suarez and there's like a hundred little people behind him doing the yeah. same thing. I feel like I'm like, you know, I'll step in forever. The mayor like wants to get behind them. I know he has our backs. Yeah. And then what about like what I'll call Silicon Valley veterans moving here? So we saw Jack Abraham, Keith Raboy, Shervin Pishavar actually came before 2020. Yep. Like, like there's a, a couple of folks who I think within Silicon Valley circles, people were like, yep, like they did one or many things where it was like, they get it. They've been successful here. What was the importance of them moving? I mean, they basically got here and they saw the talent coming here, the money and then the founders. And then what follows is the employees. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the, how it happens. And I mean, I've gotten to know Jack and Shervin really well. I love those guys. They just really putting their money where their mouth is and where the feet are, which is in Miami. Yeah. Jack especially, man, he's just been leaning into Miami. It's been such beautiful to see that, that atomic kind of come and become this like behemoth now of like making businesses. I don't. I, I think it, people know this, but maybe not. Like Jack convinced Keith. Yeah, that's right. right? That's yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah, then Jack, maybe Shervin had the influence on Jack. I don't know. Yeah. How he's here, but. <laughs> I don't actually know where the lineage is. <laughs> but like family like, tree. I'm, I'm pretty sure Jack is either the like initiator or very, very early on in uh, in, in a lot of this happening. Yeah. Um, and then talk to me about uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, NFTs. We're in a building right now that literally has a painting outside of a bunch of characters that I don't, couldn't even name them all. Uh, yeah, this JPEG Morgan 
You actually, yeah, actually, you are the person who gave me a sweatshirt at one point for JPEG Morgan, which h- hilarious, right? Uh, <laughs> What is going on? What is this stuff? We're just an underground rag to have a bunch of investors who buy stuff in the NFT space. Rewind, so. rewind, rewind. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. You're an underground ragtag group of investors. You realize how ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> They're actually all celebrities. It's pretty crazy. Uh, it's really like just like a WhatsApp group that hasn't been formalized, but we decide, hey, you know what? We're going to all do things. We're going to invest together in things and projects, build people up, and it's taken off. Like we're probably close to making our own NFT out of it. So, so is it like a... a like a friend group is it like, yeah. a, like a club. Like yeah, yeah. What, they explain more. Like when people hear this, they're like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> like you have a name, JPEG Morgan. We do. And that is what, that's the name of a WhatsApp group. Yeah. We just made it. A, we just made a funny name out of it. And just anyone can join or it's like a, no, I mean, we hit, we hit the WhatsApp gap. So we're at, we're at the top. So we're like, all right, now we got to expand. Uh, Brian Breslin started a little chat about a year and a half ago. It was like okay. kind of us in Miami. Like what's an NFT? Like, all right, let's just find the people who are at the top of the game in the NFT world to town teach us. Like okay. us Miamians. And we basically found the top person in every part of that industry to come join our chat. Who are some of the people that um, you're allowed to say? We have Steve Aoki. We have we have Keith Rosen from Time Magazine. Farouk. Uh, Tanya Sam. Ja Rule's in there. We got... What's Ja Rule uh, doing these days? He's amazing. That guy just gets it. He leans in heavy and like wants to learn and just like be part of things. So I respect that guy so much for how he has just like rolled with the punches and kind of taken himself from like one to next to next. Yeah. I, I would cool love. Dude. I would love to hear a conversation between a couple of the people you just mentioned. We could do just, it whenever you see, want. We're in Miami. See, uh, see, see what they're talking about in there. Uh, all right. So you got that, uh, and literally uh, the characters on the outside of the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see people stop out here all the time and uh, uh, take photos of it, etc. Is that what the thought process was like? Let's put up a JP Morgan or a JPEG Morgan, <laughs> uh, a JPEG Morgan. Um, character uh, kind of lineup? It was Hutch's idea. He's like, I got a wall. We got some NFTs we own. Let's throw them on the wall. And he, he did it like it was before Basel and it kind of yeah. just took off. That was like the height of NFTs. Like NFT New York City was in November and then 2021 of, of Basel was like NFT Basel it felt like. It was like everywhere was a party for NFT communities. It was crazy. When I uh, when I saw them painting it out there, I was like, should I go tell him? Like, does he know something? Like, is this like, is this like a approved activity? Or are these guys like going to do like a, a paint and run? I, I didn't know. Um, all right. So uh, talk to me a little bit about um, the Bitcoin and crypto community outside of NFT stuff yeah. in Miami. Well, it's, it's really the same, right? Okay. I mean, I feel like you can't have crypto without NFTs. So. Well, well here, here's one of the things that I find fascinating is uh, there's a lot of builders. But there's also a lot of fund managers that have moved mm-hmm. down here, right? So um, I, I don't want to say names. I don't know if people know that they've moved or not or, or who's comfortable or not. But there's a lot of very well-known funds, whether the uh, founding GPs or, you know, very important uh, components of their funds, they've moved here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have a lot of companies that are also being founded here. It's not like they got started somewhere else and then they moved here. Is this all part of, uh, like Suarez always talks about, uh, capital of capital. And like, that's a key component of it is like, we have to be, uh, the dominant, uh, player in that space. Yeah. A lot of founders who had exits moved here, which is phenomenal for the ecosystem to get to to start new projects and find people who are like on the lower level tier of like getting started in their careers to bring them up. Mm -hmm. That's why Silicon Valley did so well. They did that right. They got people to have comp, have, have, Things that exited and reinvest in the people. Uh, that's what's happening here. And then, like, Web3 is kind of an hour little, like, kind of like, have to, ha- like, ha- we hang our hats on that because there's adopting a new way of doing business and organizing organizations, which before, to raise money, you had to have a startup. Now you can raise money by having an NFT drop, which is a total, like, game changer for folks. You know, again, it's not huge amount of money, but you can do a, probably your first pre seed by that way. All right. We're going to talk about that in one second. Yeah. The last thing I want to ask about Miami uh, if I'm looking at a map, 
give me a rundown. If somebody's coming to visit Miami, where should they look where business activity is going on, like tech and, and startup stuff? Where are people living? And where are the places that people should make sure if they come to Miami, they should go visit? Yeah, well, we're a really interesting places. We're really sprawling the city. Like, you know, I live in Pinecrest, which is like a half hour south of here. And I yep. drive every day to like Brickell, Downtown, Midtown, Wynwood, the beach. It's kind of where I kind of stick around a lot. How far is Pinecrest from the beach? I'd say minutes? it's like a 40-minute drive. Okay, and then from Pinecrest. It's a commute, you know. Yeah, Pinecrest to uh, Wynwood or Design District is what? 25, 25, 25 okay. 30 minutes. No, that's not that bad. Traffic could be more, but traffic everywhere. It's not that bad. People yeah. think it's crazy. It's extra 10 minutes on your commute. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It really isn't. All right, and so where should people, when they come visit, where should they go check out? I mean, people have been flocking to Wimbledon in the tech scene, for sure. There's lots of people at VC offices there and startup offices there, so go hang out there. Lots of amazing food. Um, I love the design district. I love Little Haiti. I love Upper Upper East Side. I love downtown. I love Brickell. I love everything yeah. in Miami. Yeah, you I also love the beach. <laughs> like, there's so many things here, like hidden gems. And then you go on south, like, south of Miami, Coral Gables. You can go west. You can go to Doral. And it's, it's, like, it's crazy how much people are booming in different neighborhoods around town people don't think about going to. Yeah. And there's huge amounts of people moving there, opening, building buildings. Like, you see cranes in every neighborhood now, you know, even in Hialeah's cranes, which was not a thing five, ten years ago. I, I um... Uh, I was driving this morning and uh, Plan was with me and she actually commented. She was like, look around right now. And uh, we were, um, I, I don't know what they would call, but basically right over the bridge uh, heading towards like a Wynwood area. Mm -hmm. And uh, literally there was three different cranes on three different sites and they were all building up. Right. And, and you see how high they are, right? <laughs> They're going to be pretty and high. And I was like, those, those aren't strip malls. <laughs> They're going to build there, right? So, like, they definitely are building quite a bit, which is uh, which is pretty crazy. It is um, wild. One actually last now, – now I'm personally curious because you've been here. Uh, I'm going to call it 95, but, like, the highway that's right out here on yeah. the uh, uh, kind of west of Brickell, if you will. Uh, it seems like most of the economic development, gentrification, et cetera, has been to the east – is the thought process from people who've been here in Miami for a decade or so, like it's just going to keep uh, going west further and further and further, and like eventually this whole thing will get built out into an even bigger city? Very much likely. El Pato's definitely on the up and up. People are buying up warehouses there and then houses, and it's going to go up that corridor and then go down south and then down and go north from there. So 100%. Yeah. It's yeah. happening. It's absolutely nuts to kind of watch this. Um, all right, so talk to me about this idea. I got a lot of questions. Some of them I got answers. Some of them uh, are optimistic questions. Some of them are complete critiques slash like what the fuck is going on. Um, you said that you don't have to raise money. You could do an NFT. You could. All right. Can we? Is there an example of a company that you've seen do this really well that the we could apes. use? Okay. <laughs> I mean, all right. So, it's so easy to look at that. So let, let's talk about these folks. Yeah. Like walk folks through what did they do first? So. A, they started as an art project, right? They didn't have any real crazy roadmap of like, you know, we're going to make an interesting members club that's an NFT, right? And now most people are trying to do the same thing. They built some art. They made it really like kind of like easy to understand. It's a fun project. It sold out. It didn't sell out very fast, actually. It took them like a month to like get their stuff together. And then they just built around the community members. And that's the thing that people most don't, don't get at NFTs. It's like the first thousand people that are in your community. Again, same as startups. Those are your core People of influence, your ambassadors. How, how many uh, board apes are there? There is 10,000. 10,000, okay. 8,000, I forgot. Yeah, what, what, thousands. There was right? thousands, Okay. Yeah. And uh, why do people buy these at first? Is it literally like, I'm going to buy it and get rich? Or is it like, I buy it because it looks cool? Is it, I buy it because like, uh, there's some community? Like, w what was the initial reason why people were doing this? It's a mix of reasons, but often it's to belong with people that you want to be around. So usually there's like a focus around a project of like, it could be a, a nonprofit. It could be, you know, an environmental issue. It could be fun. It could be art. 
whatever it is. It could be just a members club, right? And that's what you're seeing people now is take this technology and turn it into memberships. That's the real NFT open up now. People are turning their membership clubs into NFT membership clubs. Okay, so it's the way of holding that. that. So it's like, it's like your CVS card, right? But a limited supply of them. So you all can get into this club, you buy your membership pass, and you have it, and you can use it to use it for, to get into parties, you can use it to exchange for merchandise, you can use it to like be available to get other drops, people are like giving you gifts or maybe like a new collection, um, or go on trips together. It's really endless possibilities to use that. Here's one of the things that um, I'm going to put myself in the seat of the most hardcore Bitcoin maximalist, et cetera, crowd, which I think are the biggest critiques of this, right? And I want to go back and forth between uh, the pro and, and the con argument is I actually think that, uh, and I, I joke with a lot of the folks in the Bitcoin community, they own memberships, right? They belong sure. to a country club. Sure. They, they're uh, a Prime, uh, Amazon Prime member. They're a Netflix member, right? Like you have memberships to these things. I, I think, and I, I, hopefully I'm not misspeaking here, but I think their biggest critique is that there's a price associated with it. It goes up and down. If somebody mm-hmm. buys it for economic gain, right? It goes down, then obviously they get screwed. But let's put price stuff aside for a second. It, it sounds pretty similar. Like if you're buying a Netflix membership, if you're buying an Amazon Prime membership, if you're buying a country club membership, if you're joining something for the community and for the experience, like is, is that a fair, um, from like a usage standpoint, user experience standpoint, like that's really what the the overlap is? Sort of, but those things aren't transferable and those mm-hmm. things expire. They're timed. These are usually one time you buy it, it's yours. And then you have a stake and ownership in that organization in some manner. You can have a voting share in their DAO. You can use it. Maybe you're getting like, you know, maybe they're dropping you a token. Maybe you're making a new currency as your as your focus of your NFT. Um, so it's more of like the shared ownership that people love and they kind of feel that I'm part of this community. And I'm going to do a lot of work to help them make, become it more, for me, entertaining or enjoyable or maybe valuable. You know, that's, People have different views on that, right? But like, that's the main difference between like membership of a golf club, where you buy it one year, you got paid again every year, and it expires. This one usually is like you buy it once and you're in, and then you make it hopefully worth more. Sure, that's a thing that people do, but I wouldn't look at things as like it's an investment. To me, it's like a it's a membership club I want to be a part of, and I want to put a lot of effort into it. How so, many how many uh, clubs do you think you're a member? I uh, feel like you've got like some lot. crazy number. Like what a do you lot. like fifty? If you go on my public wallet, probably like four hundred. Wait, what? Four <laughs> hundred? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, How I'm do you curious. have time to do all this stuff? I don't. I don't. But I'm really oh, curious. I was gonna I say wanna, you, you could do one a day, and you still wouldn't ha- get I to all support of them this people's year. projects. I want to see what they're, what they're up to. I want to learn. Like I think the best way to learn is to get your hands involved in the community and kind of see what's going on. You know, pop into a Discord, see, listen to their little their, their spaces, see what they're using it for, and then that's where ideas come from. Is people trying things? You know, like, listen, ninety nine percent of things are going to go to nothing. They're going to fail. They're going to go away. But the 1% that thrive are going to be the next Nikes, the next Amazons. They're going to m- make amazing things happen. And there's so much crap out there anyway. DDC brands, most of them are garbage. You never even know about these things. They, they go away. So like, there's big power here and like, find the next gems for our universe. So when you think of 99% going to zero, I think that there, 99% of people will agree that 99% are going to go to zero, right? And for different reasons. So the biggest critics will just be like, oh, NFTs are bullshit. They're going, you know, they're going to zero because it, the whole sector is bullshit. Uh, there's a bunch of folks who may say, hey, the ideas are interesting, but you don't need a non-fungible token to be able to do it. Uh, then there's people who are really deep into NFTs. Like, I'm super bullish long-term, short-term. I just think that no one's figured out, like, the right way to do it. There's no playbook, et cetera. And then there's people who just might be, like, I'll call him a tech historian, which sounds crazy now that we're only talking 20 years ago, like late nineties, <laughs> um, was all the ideas were right. It just took another decade or so till user experience, um, kind of interfaces changed, uh, consumer behaviors changed, infrastructure was in place, et cetera. And then that's when we got music streaming, the real social network, et cetera. Like regardless of the reason for it, 
when we think 99% are going to fail, let's say that 1% don't. How do you think about like identifying is something in the 99% bucket or in the 1%? Is it similar to like uh investor underwriting a startup? Is it similar to like somebody who's like, I like this product. I don't like this product. You know, I like Netflix. I don't like Hulu or, or how do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, it's like a VC, right? You usually put hundred checks in and you get one or two amazing exits, right? That's probably what's going to happen to most people's wallets, right? You know, I pick and choose mine now much more carefully. I'm not as like, you know, willy-nilly just trying Were you trying gambling in the beginning? I mean, I was just having fun. Yeah. It, was, it was really fun, like, to be part of these, like, kind of art 400. drops. 400. I'm still blown away it by It was that. a lot of fun. I mean, I have friends who have thousands. No, really. Seriously. Like, they have people, a th- they're thousands thousand, of NFTs. People have thousands, oh, thousands in their of wallets. NFTs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they keep and buying and joining. each one is a different community? They could have multiple of some. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, pretty much. I mean, but now I've been trying Crazy. to find folks that have existing brands that are trying to get into the into the industry and, like, how do I make my audience adapt to web three and become more of a digital, like kind of transferable ownership based audience. So I did uh well with Pierre Tunney, the artist in Women Walls recently for Tunney Money. And it was really fun to see him take his entire, you know, membership base and say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take you guys into the future. We're gonna drop an NFT, we're gonna have some fun, we're gonna have some really exclusive parties. And it worked. He has a great people love him so much. And like, you know what, Peter, let's try it out. And then I joined the team at, at Club Eleven. Uh, this little guy right here. Um, we're dropping actually today, we're minting our pass, and it's their VIP membership for life. What you think about that? Like, wow, that's a big risk for this brand who's built a worldwide brand. They have condos, they have Faka brand, they have clubs, they're building new clubs. That's to say I'm doing an NFT, that can go south so fast. So they have to invest in this nonstop now. When you think of a brand or a club like that doing a lifetime membership, right? What does that mean? Like, like I get to go skip the line to walk into a club, or, or yes. how does it work? That is actually one of the perks. You get to go TSC pre-check for, for the club. <laughs> yeah, you want to work? <laughs> so yeah, TSC pre-check, skip the line. Go TSA the pre-check for the club. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead. What else? One of the perks, I mean, the, the community actually is very small. It's only 1,000 people in there. So we're going to have a very nice private titnet chat group that people are going to build together. And uh, we spent the last four, four weeks really talking to people one-on-one. Like, do you want to be part of this? Like, as you would sell a membership, not just an NFT to anybody. Like, we're basically hand-curating. You want should be so part is the, of this. And this may sound stupid, but, yeah. like, is the NFT part almost secondary? Like, like it's just the technology of uh, almost, like, am I using one database over another database? And, like, really the value. Take Eleven uh, as an example. So yeah. uh, the guys who own Eleven, uh, real estate developers, they've yep. done a fantastic job building out that brand as a traditional club business. Uh, I believe it's the highest grossing club per square foot in the world. In the world it's right? insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just absolutely nuts. Um, and really what they're doing is they're just selling memberships. They just happen to use this thing. So like whether it was a membership where you had a physical card, like there are some memberships yeah. where you walk in, you know, Costco card, right? Uh, or if it was on my phone or if it was in this NFT format, like basically it's just a membership. It right? is, but a lot of perks and a lot of ways to build on top of it in a very much like a more of a direct streamlined way because they're going to probably do secondary like fun, you know, member programs maybe, or maybe they'll do trips together through this NFT. Maybe they'll do like really cool merch drops through the NFT. So you airdrop your things. So you basically know. what it is, it's almost like a marker. Like if there's a shark in the ocean and somebody marks it, they always know where the shark is. Really with this, you basically always know where the wallet is that's holding it. And so you can airdrop them all kinds of stuff, whatever. Yeah. And, and it builds your brand, right? It builds your support. Like they feel they're part of your club now and – it has a value and it's transferable. So you can sell it to somebody else saying, oh, you, you, here's my membership. It's yours now, right? For your mm-hmm. life. Up mm-hmm. to you to take that on. Um, right now, if you look at the price of Ethereum, it's down a lot and it's a good deal. You know, I think it's like 6K for the whole, for the life of membership. It's pretty good. $6,000 for lifetime membership? And you're in to walk in to the club. Just cut the line. 
that's for that alone. I'm like, wow, that's a, I'll do it for one night sometimes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, so basically every single night, somebody will be able to walk to the front of the club. Oh, people are going to just, yeah, that's. People just don't know about it, by the way. We haven't really marketed this. No, 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 no. So listen, like once it gets out, I, people are going to like, I got to get that. I don't like lines, but outside of lines, I don't really like clubs either. So like <laughs> I, I, I'm probably not the, uh, the target demo, but I've been at clubs with lines and I've seen, and there's some desperate ass dudes that they'll do yeah. that. You, whatever you want them to do, they'll do on the phone, buying on open C right now. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to run this line. These dudes will do whatever you want. If they're standing in line at a club, <laughs> I think what, what we want to do is build the back end for all clubs to use this. That's the real vision here is like, can we build, can we use, try this out, see how it works and show other people how to build their so own how, business. So this gets to the whole thing of like, how much of this is new versus this is the same. You're just building a membership, uh, SaaS platform for clubs in this example. In a way, but also in a way like who, how do you do entry? How do you do that? That's a whole new technology to build for our own use cases, right? And then mm -hmm. how do you do, how do you make your community actually like talk to each other? You know, Discord actually is a mess. Like I want to make a new Discord because it's it's just terrible out there. Yeah, how many times I heard somebody say that and I'm always like, man, whoever cracks that, they won't. I can't <laughs> wait. Make a bag. I can't wait. And <laughs> the answer isn't Telegram or WhatsApp either because they have their own set of problems. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know. I want to rethink that wholeheartedly. All right. What do you think is, uh, of the critiques of NFTs, this is actually, uh, I'd be fascinated to hear your answer. What do you think they got right of the critiques? Like, like if you're like, okay, here's all the critiques of it. Like, this is the thing that I actually think is like a very fair critique. It's hard. It's hard to buy crypto, set up your wallet, transfer crypto to your wallet, mint the NFT, keep track of your NFTs, not lose your 12-word password. It's really insanely hard. So I think that we've gotten a lot of things wrong in the Web3 NFT technology that just doesn't really make it easy for anyone to onboard. Um, so that has to be a, a better way. And the better way doesn't exist yet. It really just doesn't. You know, yeah. Maybe MoonPay will figure it out. Maybe OpenSea figures it out. Maybe a new one that doesn't exist yet will figure it out. But like, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Well, and then what is the thought process of, uh, I'm going to call it the NFT community, but I, I would basically say maybe even the broader crypto world, views on Bitcoin? Because I think it's, you know, the Bitcoin crowd, they're, they don't- They don't uh, like on the other side, right? Uh, well, no, no, no. They don't have any problem letting people know what their opinion is, <laughs> <laughs> is maybe the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the Web3 NFT crowd's views on Bitcoin? We all own it. Yeah. I, 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 I full for, like, diversify portfolio of things. Mm -hmm. In all things, startups, cryptocurrency, friends, uh, all the things. I think it's important to like have every have your your, your bases covered, and you know, they're all kind of like tied together at this point still. So we haven't seen anything break away. Like, all right, no, this is a new thing. It's the, all it's all in the same bucket still. Can I ask? This is a question that just yeah. little people will freak out about, but I, I think it's important. People who are in the Web three community that own Bitcoin are they Bitcoiners? I mean, everyone's a Bitcoiner if you own Bitcoin, right? I would argue that right? yes, I, I think there's I some want to do well disagree because Bitcoin does well, so does everything else. Yeah, so it's like rooting against the you know. It's an interesting question because there, <laughs> okay. there's a lot of people who I, I hear the term "real Bitcoiner" thrown around all the time, and I'm like, oh okay, because you know there are some people who do own fake Bitcoin uh, for what sure. What is that? I'm not going to say the names <laughs> of them, but they uh, <laughs> uh, there's people who think that they're building uh, the real Bitcoin. Um, but uh, when you think about this whole thing, one of the things that blew me away was uh, you went to VCon. I, I mean, that was amazing. I saw wow, you and a energy. couple other people posting. What energy? How many people do you think were there? Uh, 10,000. And it was a really tight-knit group, man. It was like really cool to be in the 10,000 is about the same size as uh, the Bitcoin conference was, not this year, last year. 
right? So, so 2021 Bitcoin early. conference was probably the size of this. What would g- give me kind of, uh, what was the experience like? What were your takeaways? It was so positive in a very downtime in crypto and NFTs. And people are just there like, you know, we're focused on this community. And that's what you have to do is be focused on the community first. Uh, and that's what Gary's done so well. He's done onboarding so well. He has treated his community so well, keeps delivering the value for them in different ways. Uh, and a lot of in real life utility, which is important because without that, you know, I think a lot of NFT communities may falter. And I think you got to build around these people in a very like intimate and direct way. And what Gary's done is just, he's basically shown the way. Like, and people should be paying attention and copying, you know, make your community just like he's doing with his bigger community. You know, yeah. government has his influence, but you can really learn from how he does things with, with empathy and some real transparency. Yeah. When you think about uh, where this is all going, fast forward me 20 years, like what is the North Star? Like what's the the promised land, if you will? Shout out Rick Ross. What do you think is the, like the end state of this? I think you see things get much smaller and localized and really more niche. And mm-hmm. I think people try and be everything to everybody, and that's not the answer to anything. Mm-hmm. So I want to see people take things back and make them just not so scalable. Make them like for just a thousand people. And you can have a really nice life that way. You don't need to be a billionaire. You could be a millionaire and be okay. You know, it's you, not, could, you should say that like a, a million more times so yeah. people actually understand. I'm like, that. what is everyone like trying to get so crazy powerful rich? Like, I don't want to be that rich. I, it's, not, it's a lot of work and a lot of stress. And responsibility. like, no. Like, just let me be okay. And I think these people just got to be, be okay with each other and then and root for each other. Because, like, that's the big thing is like, people don't root for each other. They want to win and you want you to lose. And that's not the case. We all can win together if we just think in much like, kind of like more of like a niche, smaller manner. And that's my takeaway for everyone, I think, is like, think for everyone else. Like, we could do this all together. And it sounds like, you know, lovey dovey, but I think it's I, real. I dude, think it's the world, time. the world is not zero sum. It doesn't have to be. This is my biggest uh, critique, and I say this all the time, is, uh, whether it's a founder, whether it is a community, whatever. The best people in the world that I know and what they do spend 0% of their time attacking their competitors. Zero. Zero. (laughs) They spend their time solving problems, serving their customers, innovating, and changing the world. Like that's their focus. That is beautiful. And the people who spend, and you see it across communities, you see it across all this stuff. I understand people are human everyone's going to mess up here, there, whatever. But like there are certain groups, certain people, certain companies where 99% of the time focused on building, serving customers, doing all the stuff. Right. Uh, and sure they're, they're, they're not infallible either, but then there are some people, companies, communities, et cetera, that just, that's what they spend all their time doing is just attack, 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 attack. And what I've always thought is that like, that just distracts you from like what you're trying to accomplish. Like who cares what everyone else is doing? Knock yourselves out. Right. By the way, like that's what a free market is, it is you can say whatever you want. People can do whatever they want, but that's what a free market is. And by the way, the free market is the most savage judge, jury and executioner <laughs> in the world. Right. 100%. And like, I think that gives credence to a lot of, uh, the critics of the NFT market. It's like, Hey, there's a bunch of shit that people were talking about and, and cheering on and all stuff. And like, didn't work. That's the free market at work. Like judge, jury, executioner, if you bought it and it didn't work, guess what? You felt the pain. Vice versa is if the uh, NFT community ends up building certain things that work, that's the free market at work. 
people found value in something, et cetera. And so like, I, I just think that there's a lot of like pontificating and people pretend to know the future. Yeah. And like, that doesn't mean if you see something that's uh, risky or a scam or nefarious or whatever. Yeah, of course. Uh, what's the saying in New York? Uh, see something, say something. Yeah. Right, right? <laughs> like, see something, oh, say something. People right? do that all the time right. on Twitter, man. Yeah, yeah, of, it's of course. Happening. But, but, I, but I think that like, it's even uh, this thought process of like certain language gets used so much. We were, we were talking to a guy, Brent Johnson, uh, earlier today, and um, he talks about uh, how hyperinflation, a word that like you hear thrown around all the time, and people are like, oh, yeah, hyperinflation. They're talking about like 10% inflation in the United States. Like, that's not hyperinflation. Hyperinflation is like 50% yeah. month over month, like, doubling, whatever. It, we're gone. It's over, right? Game over. Oof. And so, his point is basically like, look, we can have high inflation without hyperinflation. By the way, if hyperinflation is coming, like we should scream that from the rooftops, but like, let's make sure that we're actually using the right language here. And so I think that, um, we see a lot of that in, uh, in the Bitcoin and crypto world as well of just like, you know, I, I always laugh when people are like Ponzi scheme yeah. and I'm like, okay, maybe, but like, what is a Ponzi scheme? What are you saying? And usually what it ends up being is like, that's not going to be valuable later in the future, which by the way, is a lot of times the correct critique. It's just that if you say yell everything Ponzi, 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 but actually it was just like poorly designed or That's it was you know, not valuable or in the startup world, like you build a problem, you build something that solves a problem nobody actually has, right? Or you never find product market fit or like whatever the thing is, the end result's the same. The Ponzi goes to zero and like the thing that uh, nobody wanted goes to zero as well. Right. But like the language ends up being really important, I think. So true. Really is so true. It's it's wild that you put it that way, and like that was a very beautiful kind of statement right there. Like people don't remember that; they just they just don't think about it. Just 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 use the right language. That's it. That's it. That's fine. Simple. What, <laughs> uh, at Flamingo Capital, what yeah. uh what are you guys looking for? We're looking for um, people just like disrupting this world right now of like how we're going to transfer from Web two to Web three. So all ideas are welcome at this point. And like we're in a strange time of like venture capital. People pull them back. Down rounds are happening. It's happening probably for the next few months. Who knows? A year? We don't know. Uh, so you know, people want who also conservative in, in a way. Hold your money if you can get it, get it while you can. Yeah. What What is the way that you guys work with founders? So we're really hands on. So usually we get in there really early, help them find the lead investors, raise their last money in. That's kind of how we work, which is really helpful for folks who can't who don't have those ends yet. I, that was me eight nine years ago. I had no ends, no nobody in venture capital. Kind of I had a startup. You know, started putting angel checks in. And learning how to learn the ropes was very hard in Miami because mm -hmm. no one was here. You know, I was traveling. Actually, I give props to uh, uh, Cal Canis. He, he invested in my company like five years ago and brought us to California. And he showed us like, this is how it works. And I was like, thank you. And like, he kept coming back here after that to do more Florida investments. And like, he was on that train a while ago of like, you know, diversify your money into all around the world. Um, and I was like, yeah, Miami's on the same same path. And now it's it's, it's been it happened. We, we're yeah, going to get him to move here. We broke right through we're, it. We're going to get Jason Calcanis is going to move to Miami at some point. I tried to give him my apartment. He was like, soon, but not yet. Jason Calcanis is going to move to Miami at some point. Uh, I don't know he exactly loves it here. when. I know he does. Uh, I've seen him talk about it. Uh, he has friends here. He uh, is obviously not very bullish on California, <laughs> <laughs> which some people move to Miami because they're running from something. Some people move to Miami because they're running to something. Yep. Uh, but Miami doesn't care. It, don't care. it accepts all people. <laughs> it really is true. It really like everyone I talk to has been like, man, I found my, my, my people here. They, they let me in. It's like it's good. One of the most important things uh, that I hear people repeat over and over again when they come to Miami is uh, there is such diversity of thought of uh, where people come from, of language, of like all these different things. Um, it doesn't feel like this in 
almost any other American city. Yeah. Right. You're still in America, but to some degree, you know, uh, what's the, the, uh, the joke, but half truth of like Miami's the capital of Latin America. Yeah. Right. right? (laughs) That's true. Like, like there's people from all over that entire region of the world, but you also get folks who are coming from Europe. You get people who are coming from other places in the United States. Like it is this like big melting pot. And I think that's what makes it so special. And difference of views is is a thing here. You know, pretty much half down the middle of like politics, I think, and everything in the whole world. So like you have both sides of the coin, but the key is to like let people, have their say, and then be understanding of the other person's viewpoint. You can't just yell at them saying they're wrong. And, the, you know, that's the biggest part, I think, that more people need to understand, like, all right, you know, we differ, but, like, what do we agree on? You know, and, like, you could be friends with someone who has different viewpoints sometimes. Shocking idea. Don't go uh, Don't go too crazy over there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends who are on the side of the fence in a lot of issues, and we're, we're still cool. As long as you don't be, like, you know, a little too rabid about it. Yeah, I, I do think the world is realizing, like, all right, I don't care where you stand, but like center left, center right, center independent. Like maybe there's like a little triangle there. <laughs> like everyone's like, we, we're all cool. We may disagree, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then there's like the extremes and those people are just yelling at each other over the the center right, left, center independent folks. Uh, and everyone, you know, if you're center right, you think the extreme left and extreme right is crazy. Yeah. Right. And, vi- and, and so it's just like, the extremes where everyone got pulled, I think people are like, all right, let's come back to a little bit of a rational viewpoint, uh, which I think is healthy. All right, we need it. We I, need it. That's fine. If we all thought alike, then uh, we'd have bigger problems in the world than, <laughs> than uh, uh, well, then uh, we can innovate, you know? If everyone's yeah. like, everything's great and everything's, and everything's the same, then it gets kind of boring. Yeah, of course. And also I think uh, you, need, you, you need the healthy debate. Like there's, there's places in the world where everyone thinks the same way because they have to think the same way. And like from coming from the United States, we look at those places and we're like, that is not a place we'd want to live. No. Right. And, and so like the diversity of opinions and thoughts is crucial. And so in some way, even though people disagree with you, you actually want to encourage them. You have to. Well, that's where you get the new ideas from. You yes. see like same people saying, oh, this is wrong with your thing. And you don't, wouldn't ever hear from your friends who like just believe in what you're doing. So you gotta have, you have both sides of the fence to tell you and find opportunities to make new improvements on everything. From civics to startups to tech to just family. So, you know, that's the way really Miami is progressing, I think. It feels like it, at least. I think that's exactly how it works. Uh, all right, where can we send people to find you on the internet? Chris or- Adamo, at Chris Adamo, I think on every platform, uh, underscore on Twitter, and then on Instagram as well, and then LinkedIn. Hit me up, DM me. Come to happy hour on Wednesdays uh, at the what, Freehold. What, what is uh, happy hour? So we started this Miami Tech happy hour about a year and a half ago. Uh, okay. Just when the COVID was kind of like getting a little looser in Miami, about 2020 of December, five people, wine, a wine bar. And we started, basically during Tech Week last year, we had a thousand people show up at, at uh, Lan Yap. And it got too big for Lan Yap, so we said, oh, let's go to the Freehold. So now we have like 500 folks every Wednesday show up in, at uh, the Freehold in Wynwood. And it's just every person in tech who, who's new, who wants to understand what's Miami like. You know, I'm a founder, I'm an investor, I'm... I'm a tech employee, so it's a cool vibe. All right, freehold on Wednesdays. What yeah. time usually? 6 p.m. 6 p.m.? Yeah, come right. through. And anybody who's here, if you ain't got no friends, but you're in Miami, go to the freehold at 6 I'll p.m. I'll be your first Wednesday. friend. Yeah, there you go. You can't miss it with the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, one other Miami company uh, is actually a sponsor of ours, 8sleep. We love them. Yeah, do you have an 8sleep? I want one. You want one? I do want one. All right, What what is your sleep schedule right now? I have two babies on our two, so okay. it's pretty crazy. Like Maybe like 1 a.m. to 6 a.m.? 
Whoa. Not good. Wow. Sometimes, sometimes 10 p.m. to 8 and 7, and it's great. But then, you know, I'm, That's I'm what running I'm a couple on. businesses, and the babies are a business as well. Yeah. So the, the whole thing that uh, I, don't, I didn't realize before the baby showed up was that, like, there was, you know, the rough couple six weeks or whatever, eight weeks. But then once they start to learn to sleep, like, now she sleeps through the night. Yeah. So 7 p.m. You can go. I'm like, yo, game on. <laughs> Maybe sleeping. <laughs> it's really wonderful. And, and then it's like seven starts. to seven. You're like, oh, that's 12 hours. But you get if, busy. If I went to sleep when the baby went to sleep, wow. I wouldn't make it. Wow. <laughs> I'd be waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I couldn't sleep as much as the baby. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I appreciate you coming and doing this. We definitely need to do it again. This has been great. And uh, uh, the JPEG Morgan whatsapp group now i feel like you guys are gonna be a bunch of requests people hey man get let me we have group. thousands of folks on a waiting list so <laughs> it's really crazy it's really crazy i don't know what's my dms are like get me in get me in, give me merch get me in. i mean you have the you have og merch that that painted one i made for you uh that's a cool one that's that, gonna be worth my money one day that's a fantastic one it's Thank sitting you. right over there oh nice yeah, there yeah. it is yeah i love yeah, it yeah. sit right there uh on top right. of the on top, top of the pile of course. I mean, that's the one if it, if I need to go to. That'd be looking uh, cool. Because I, I wear it sometimes and people are like, what the hell has he got on? That's your NFT Basel right. outfit, right? <laughs> if you go to a conference that has NFT guys there, you rock that, they'd be like, respect. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, great, man. We would definitely have to do this again in the future. Pomp, anytime, baby. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure you subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you're looking to try to transition to get a new job in the Bitcoin or crypto industry, we've got you covered. Head over to pompscryptocourse.com. We've developed a curriculum with the top teams across the industry. It's a three-week intensive training program with over 50 events packed into that three-week time period. Go to pompscryptocourse.com to learn more, and I'll meet you guys for the next episode.